بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطيبين الطاهرين لا سيما بقية الله في الأرضين جل الله تعالى فرجه الشريف اللهم أخرجني من ظلمات الرحم وأكرمني من نور الفهم اللهم افتح علينا أبواب رحمتك انشر علينا خزائن علومك برحمتك يا ارحم الراحمين. We discussed in the last session different ways that Muslim scholars, theologians have classified divine attributes. One was to divide it into the attributes of beauty, sifatul jamal, and attributes of glory, sifatul jalal which is the same as attributes of um, what we call subutiye, affirmative attributes, and attributes which we call them salbiye, which is negational. We explained this. We also explained the classification into the attributes of essence and the attributes of action, sefatul zat and sefatul fil. And this classification is very important. And this is one of the very good things in Islamic theology that they have made this very clear. In some other religious traditions, this is not very well explained. And therefore you cannot explain properly the way God uh, is described with attributes such as, for example, creation, such as forgiving, such as sustaining, such as being pleased or being angered. These are all attributes that are related to action. I just make a quick review of what we said and a little bit expand because this is very important. I want to make sure that before we proceed, you have grasped this concept. With respect to attributes of essence, we only focus on divine essence. You know that these concepts are all because of our intellection. Intellection is a philosophical term, uh, which means ta'aqqul. Okay? So we reflect on a reality, and from that reality, we abstract some concepts. In Islamic philosophy, of course, they say we have tajrid and we have intazah. Tajrid is something that you do by just setting aside the attachments. For example, when you want to come up with the concept of human being, you look at few people, you look at Zayd Amrubak, for example, and you set aside what are the differences, and then you have the concept of human being which is shared by them, which is common between them. This is called tajrid. <clears throat> but enteza or abstraction is in need of further intellection. For example, to look at few human beings and animals and then come up with the concept of being contingent. This is not as easy as the first one. But I don't want to discuss that, inshallah, in philosophy. 
you will study this. What I want to say is that all these concepts are the products, the results of our minds thinking and then trying to come up with some concepts that can help us in understanding that reality. Okay? So the concepts are in our minds. The realities are there outside. Anyway, when we want to have an understanding of God, sometimes we focus on divine essence and we try to analyze the divine essence according to our capacity. We know that God has no parts at all. So it is simple. It is basit. Okay? It has no combination. But still, that simple reality has different qualities of perfection. For example, we understand that God has knowledge. God has life. God has power. God has will. Inshallah, we'll explain. The difference between these concepts is not that there are different realities to which these concepts refer. It's only one reality, that is God. But it is our mind's reflection on these that help us to come up with this concept. So there is a poem in Arabic that some scholars use here. Uh, the poet says, Ibaratuna shatta wa husnuka wahidu wa kullun ila dhakal jamale yoshiru. We use different expressions and different terms, but they all refer to one single beauty. Okay? Anyway, we use these different concepts to refer to that essence. How did we come up with those concepts? By reflecting on the essence. But sometimes our mind focuses on relation between divine essence and his creatures. Okay? For example, there is a being which is created by God. So we want to understand what type of relation is this. There is wajibul wujud, there is a necessary being, and there is a contingent being who has received his existence from the necessary being. When we focus on this relation, we come up with the concept of creation. We say God has created this thing. But in reality, in the outside world, do we have three things? Do we have God and the created and the creation? No, we don't have three things. We have only two things. We have God and what is created. The creation is an action which is only understandable after reflection in order to explain what has happened, we bring this concept in. Otherwise, we don't have any third thing as action, as creation. Do you understand? Creation is not a third thing. Or for example, you know, we have ijad to originate, to bring into existence. This is something that in our mind, after we analyze, we come up with this third concept. Otherwise, in reality, what we have is only the originator and the originated. We don't have anything separate as origination. Okay? Is it clear? So, 
Khaliqiya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or Raziqiya or Ghafiriya. God's creatorship or God's sustaining quality or forgiving quality are the concepts that help us to understand the nature of relation which exists, this nature of relation which exists between God on the one side and his creature on the other side. Okay? This relation has two sides. One is God, one is the creature. For any relation to exist, you need to have both sides there. You cannot have a relation when one party is missing. Okay? So, the relation between God and his creatures can only exist, can only become a reality when both sides exist. With respect to God, his existence is eternal. With respect to the creature, his existence is maybe eternal, like angels. Maybe it comes in a certain time and a space. Okay? So if something comes to existence today, then the relation with God and that thing exists only from today. So you can say God had not created this yesterday. God created these things today. Okay? What allows you to use time for God's action? Why you can say God didn't create him yesterday, God created him today, although God has no time? Okay? What allows us to use time for God's action is because this action is based on a relation that could not exist unless both parties are there. Okay? So this doesn't mean God has changed. God has not changed. But one side of the relation is changeable. Therefore, the relation is also changeable without God being changeable. Like, for example, sun is shining over the earth. We might be going outside and expose ourselves to the sunshine. We might remain in a room and cover ourselves and not expose ourselves to the sunshine. So when I am in the room, I can say, sun is not shining on me. When I go outside, I can say, sun is now shining on me. But has sun changed? No. It's only me who has changed, but change of my situation affects my relation with sun, although sun has not changed. Is it clear? The same is with the qualities like Rida and Qadab, God's pleasure and God's anger. If you do something good and you please God, we say, God is pleased with you. If someone, God forbids, does a bad action, commits a sin, does injustice, we say God is angry with him. Okay? What does it mean? Does it mean that like a person that when you please him, he becomes happy. There is a joy in his heart which didn't exist before. 
God has changed. And when he is angry, it means that there is a feeling of anger which didn't exist. No. With respect to God, when you say something is pleasing God, it means that something is in compliance with God's will. Okay? Like bringing something to the sunshine. So when you say this action is pleasing God, means this action has been done in accordance to the will of God. And when something is making God angry, it means that you are disregarding God's will. Your action was against God's will. Otherwise, you shouldn't think that with your actions, you are changing God's situation. God has no change. God has no feelings or emotions like us. Okay? God is perfect and not changeable. Imam Hussein alayhi salam in Dua Arafah says, Ilahi taqaddasa ridaak an takuna lahu illatun mink. Fakayfa takuna lahu illatun minni. Your pleasure is more perfect, is to be glorified with respect to you affecting your pleasure. You cannot even make yourself pleased and happy in the way that, you know, we think, we human beings. Let alone me being able to make you happy. Even Allah does not make himself happy or angry. Okay? Because if Allah wants to have impact on him, this means that he has done something to himself that he didn't have. This is door. This is vicious circle. So, when God is not affecting himself, how can we affect God? We cannot affect God because anything that we have comes from God. So, we are too little to affect God. No effect can affect its cause. Okay, so this is something that you have to really understand, you re grasp, because it helps you a lot in understanding Quran and du'as and ahadith and have a better understanding of God. Okay, now we move on to certain qualities of God and we want to see how we can argue for them. First, in the book, there is a list of few uh, qualities of God, and then we explain the uh, way we have come up with these concepts later. One is that God is knowledgeable, God is alim, or God is alim, or God is alam, or God is alam. These are different things that we use in the Quran to say that God is knowledgeable. Some shows that God is knowledgeable, some shows that God is permanently knowledgeable, some shows that God is very knowledgeable, God, some shows that God is the most knowledgeable. Inshallah, in Sarf, in Arabic morphology, you understand the difference between Esme Fa'il, Sifat Mushabbah, Sighiyah, Mubalighah, Esme Tafzil. Anyway, there are different things that we use to say that God is knowledgeable. So one of the things that, Inshallah, we have to show is why we believe God is knowledgeable. I'm just giving you the list, the list. The second thing in the list is Qadr. Qadr comes from Qudra, power. God is powerful. Okay? 
Actually, God is omnipotent. God can do everything. He is capable of doing everything. So this concept of power of God is very important. The third concept is high. God is living. God has life. Not only he creates life, he himself also has life. Inshallah, we'll talk about it. Another concept is murid, coming from erada. Erada means will. God has will. God is not doing things without wanting to do things. You know, if you have fire, and next to that fire there is a material, there is wood, there is paper, the fire burns wood or paper without fire having any will, any decision. This happens just automatically, okay? Or if you have water, and then you put in something inside water, it becomes, you know, wet. But water doesn't have any decision, any will. This happens. God's actions are not without him wanting to do them. It's not that God is forced by outside and external factor or God is forced by his nature to do things without having any control. So will of God is very important. Another quality is that God is Qadim. God is eternal. Azali. Azali it's like eternal in English. In English, when we say eternal, it means something has no beginning. Sometimes it means it has no beginning and no end. So eternal can mean one of the two. Sometimes the emphasis is on both sides. God is azali and qadim, means he has no beginning and he has no end. There is no beginning for God. Nothing was before God, nothing preceded God, or there was no time that God didn't exist. He has no beginning. It means that he was always there. And also there is no end. It's not that God is going to stop. He's going to cease to exist. He is the first and he is the last. And everything else starts and ends in God. Okay? God is not starting or ending in anything. Some of the qualities of God that are negational, salbiye. One is that God is not murakab. God is not compound. God has no combination, no parts. Okay? God has no jism. means God has no physical mass. God is not a physical object which is three-dimensional. God is not mar'i. Mar'i means what? Visible. So God is not visible. You cannot see God by your eyes. Because the only thing that you can see by your eyes are the things which have limited space. They occupy a space. 
if something can be seen by our eyes, it means that it is a finite being. It's a limited being. God has no sharik, no partner. You cannot find anything like God. Okay. This is a list. Now let us start arguing for some of the major qualities of God. You remember we said the arguments that we used to prove the existence of God, they can also help in proving some qualities of God. Of course, they themselves varied. Some of them can help us with few qualities of God. Like, for example, argument from design proves what? That there is an intelligent being, knowledgeable being, that has power also to create. So knowledge, intelligence, and power of God can be understood through the argument from design, in addition to the existence of God. But some of the arguments can help us further. For example, argument of wujub and emkan, which we call it what in English? Cosmological argument, yeah? We talked about three arguments. So one, one of them was cosmological argument, Burhan al-Wujubal-Imkan, which is based on the concept of necessary being and contingent being. Okay, you remember? We talked about this in details. God is necessary being, is wajibul wujud. And remember, we argued that when things exist, so it means that existence for them is either necessary or it is just possible. If they believe that there is necessary being, so it means that they have accepted God. If they say no, everything is not necessary, everything is possible to exist and not to exist, when we say these things cannot come into existence unless there is a cause for them which brings them to existence, which necessitates their existence, and then if that cause is accepted to be wajib, we say alhamdulillah. If they say no, even that is mumkin, it's contingent, we say what about the cause of that contingent? And we said in the end of the day, we have to reach a point which is not conditional, which doesn't depend on something else. Otherwise, this can never come into existence. We discussed this in details. Anyway, that argument showed that God is wajibul wujud, necessary being. Or in other words, that argument showed that there must be a necessary being. Now, the question is, can a necessary being be composed of different parts? No. Why? Because if it is composed of different parts, it means that it depends, it needs, okay? So it means that without them, God cannot exist. While we said that wajibul wujud is something that it exists because of itself, not because of anything else. Even when I say it exists because of itself, you shouldn't think that it means that it has created itself. No, it has not created itself. It means that he doesn't need to be created. His essence is enough to be 
there. So, to have parts is not compatible with being wajibul wujud. Is it clear? To have jism is also very easily understood. That is a problem. Why? Because anything which is jism, anything which has physical mass, which has three dimensions, has parts. Okay? And since God has to have no parts, so God doesn't have any jism. Also, jism is limited and finite, and God should not be finite. Also, we cannot see God. God is not visible because it has no jism. It has no physical body. So all come quickly one after the other. Then, what about time? Can God have a fixed time? Even if it is big. One million years. One trillion years. No. Why? Because to have a time frame, it means that before that and after that, God doesn't exist. Wajibul wujud does not depend on anything. So why it didn't exist and it came to existence? You cannot explain why it didn't exist. And you cannot explain that if it was not existent, why it came to existence. Okay? Who brought it to existence? So, God has no time. God has no change. God is not changeable. Because change is something which always comes with time. Actually, philosophers say time is the quantity for understanding changes which are gradual. Inshallah, in philosophy, you study that there are two types of changes. One is cone of facade, okay, which happens uh, at once. One is gradual, which we call it harakah. So two types of changes. Immediate, at once, and gradual. At once is called cone of facade. <clears throat> like, for example, <clears throat> when you go fast and you hit the wall, okay? Moving towards the wall is gradual, but hitting the wall is not gradual process. It happens at once. Is it clear? You cannot say even hitting happens in a gradual process. No, because either you have hit or you have not hit. You cannot say, you know, heating also took time. No. Moving towards the wall takes time. This is harakah. But heating the wall is not harakah. It's happening at once. Anyway, any harakah which is gradual change, at taghir or tadriji, has to have time. What we have used as time framework is the mo movement of sun and earth. For our convenience, we have used the movement of sun around the earth or earth around sun. For calculation, it doesn't make difference. In the past and even today, when they want to calculate, 
the, imagine that sun is going around the earth, but it doesn't make difference. Anyway, this motion of sun and earth or earth around sun is only one of the motions that exist in the world. But because it is available to all human beings, we have used it to come up with this standard time. You know, we have year, we have months, we have week, we have days, we have hours, we have minutes, we have seconds. And as you know, of course, different traditions have different ways of calculating their years. Some of them, their years are longer, some of them are, you know, smaller. Anyway, what is important is that time is not this. This is only one possible time. Yeah? We are using the time of the movement <coughs> of sun and earth as our basis. Otherwise, any motion has a time. Then, I want to a little bit explain when we say God has no time, what does it mean? Although I have already said this, but to make it a little bit clearer. When we say God has no time, it doesn't mean that God is a very old being. God has been there for many, many years and is going to be there for many, many years. Because this means that God is affected by time. God is existing within the framework of time. No, this is not our concept. When we say God is eternal, it means that God is timeless. Not that God has very old timing. Okay? Because sometimes philosophers discuss about even the physical world to be eternal. Some philosophers believe that they have always existed in a form or another. I don't want to discuss that issue now. But what I want to say is that certainly in the case of God and all mujarradat, all the abstract beings, when we say they are azali, they are eternal, it means that they have no time. They are timeless. Not that they have very long time. God is timeless. For us, it's difficult to understand how something can be timeless. Why? Because we are very limited. In the same way, for us, it's very difficult to understand how something can have no space. Because we are used to do things and see things always in a limited space. Okay? But God has no time and God has no space. So you shouldn't think that God has been in all times. No, he has not been in all times. He has been totally free from time. In the same way, when we say God has no space, it doesn't mean that God is in all spaces. God is not in all spaces. Because if he's in all spaces, he means he, he is limited. Okay? So if someone asks you, does God exist in this room? What do you say? If you want to speak accurately, 
you cannot say God exists in this room. God doesn't exist in this room. But at the same time, you can say that this room is not far from God. It's not that you have found a space in which God doesn't exist. Because when we say God doesn't exist in this room, you shouldn't think that it's like a person who is now away from this room. So he is not aware of this room. He is not present here. So God is present everywhere without being settling or dwelling in any space. Okay? The same is with us. Is God inside us or not? If you mean by inside, like an internal organ, no. But if you mean by God being inside us, it means that we are not separate from God. Yes. Okay? So, Amir al-Mu'mineen alayhi salam says something in this line. Dakhilun fil ashya la bil God is in everything, but without being mixed with them, without becoming part of them. And God is outside everything, but not being separate from them. Okay? So this is something that you have to remember. Even the relation between your soul and body. Okay? In this aspect is similar. Is your soul inside your body or outside your body? If you say by being inside body like your heart and kidney, no. Soul is not inside body. But if you mean that even inside your body has connection with your soul and soul is not disconnected from inside, yes. Is soul outside body? If you mean by outside body like another person who is outside me and has no connection with me, no. But if you mean by being outside me that it's not limited to my body, yes. Okay? So, you cannot use term inside and outside for God or for soul in the same way that you use for physical objects. Two physical objects, it's very clear how one of them can be inside or outside the other. But when something is material, is physical, and the other one is not material, and you want to use the concept of inside and outside, you have to be very careful. So, when we say God is eternal, it means that God is timeless. When we say God has no space, it means God is not in any space, no matter how big it is. Now, let us move to the attributes of beauty. Any good that exists in this world, any good, any perfection that exists in this world, where does it come from? For example, we have knowledge, and some of us have more knowledge. Where does this knowledge come from? It comes from God. It's not that we receive our existence from God and then other things we create ourselves. 
when you are a contingent being, in everything you depend on your creator. Okay? These are only differences in conceptualization that we say existence and then we say, I don't know, knowledge, we say power. Otherwise, it's the same thing. When you are created, you are created with certain qualities. Over time, your qualities can change. But it's all within the existence. It's not that you have existence and non-existence. These are all different modes of your existence. So whatever you have is coming from God. Whatever you don't have, then it's from you. In the sense that you lack it. Okay? Now you can better understand the ayah which says, مَا أَصَابَتْكُمْ مِنْ حَسَنَةٍ وَمِنَ اللَّهِ وَمَا أَصَابَتْكُمْ مِنْ سَيَّافَ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ Anything good, anything which is a matter of perfection comes from God. Anything which is lacking, it's because of us being limited beings, finite beings. We don't have it. Okay? Or anything bad we develop, again, it's because of us. Because only good comes from God. Only perfection comes from God. Okay? Whatever comes from God is only good. In ourselves, we lack those perfections. We are contingent. It means that we can have them and we can not have them. If we have them, it's because God has given us. If we don't have them, it means that God has not given them to us. And in ourselves, we were empty. So we have remained empty. Okay? So you can't say that we don't have them because God didn't have us. It's okay. But it means that then you didn't have it in yourself. So in ourselves, we don't have them. And actually, one of the beautiful points is this. Because in ourselves, we lack them. So even if God gives us, still we lack them. If you are carefully look at them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says uh, to the Prophet, What does it mean? Normally it is translated as you are going to die and they are also going to die. Okay? But another translation is you are mortal. Okay? Means you are subject to death. But the third maybe translation is this. That although you are living, but in your essence you lack life. So even when you are high, you are mayat. Because you don't have hayat as an essential quality. Like what? If, if you put, I don't know, 10,000 pounds in my hand, it doesn't mean that I have become rich. You can take it anytime from my hand. You know? This, I am just here carrying this. I am just being loaded with this. It's not my 
money. Okay? So, even those things that we have, we don't have. What about those things that we don't have? Imam Hussain alayhi salam in Dua Arafah says, Ilahi ana al-jahilu fi ilmi fa la akunu jahulan fi jahli With respect to what I know, I am ignorant. So what about those things that I don't know? Ilahi ana al-faqiru fi ghinai fa la akunu faqiran fi faqri Okay? So, anything that we have comes from God. And if we don't have it, it's because of ourselves. And even those things that we have it right now, again, we don't have them really. It's just as a amana, as a trust. Okay? For us, to have only means like a trust. Something temporary. We cannot really own anything. It's only God who can own things because they, he, these are essential qualities of him, never separable from him. So, anything which is a matter of goodness and perfection in any part of the world, in any creature, the source is God. Okay? This ayah is very beautiful in some of the lectures. I have explained this ayah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنْ مِنْ شَيْنِ إِلَّا عِنْدَنَا خَزَائِنُهُ وَمَا نُنَزِّلْهُ إِلَّا بِقَدَرٍ مَعْلُومٍ There is nothing in this reality, this world, except that its treasures are with us. إِنْ مِنْ شَيْنِ There is nothing. Except that the treasures are with us. We only send down to a very limited extent. For example, if God wants to give you knowledge, very little part of it, like a drop of that unlimited ocean of knowledge, comes down. Okay, it's like rain, when rain comes. Okay, all the good knowledge, rahmah, if someone is kind, that kindness comes from that unlimited treasures of God here. Of course, when we say it comes down, it doesn't mean that God is going to lack it. Comes down means presentation. Uh, in the lectures on Quranic studies, I have explained this. Anything that comes from that world to this world does not depart that world. It only is given a kind of representation here. It's not that a drop of water will be taken from that world and then comes here. Nothing will be reduced from that. Only a representation of it comes here. So, every good quality, every matter of perfection is with God. And then God has, of course, treasures from which we receive according to a very fixed measure and size. Of course, you can increase it. For example, knowledge. Allah says, You have not been given from knowledge except very little. 
But then you can ask Allah to give you more. Rabb zidni ilman. Be pious and Allah will teach you. So you can increase your capacity. But without increasing your capacity, you will receive very little. If you have a waterfall and you keep a cup of water, how much you can hold? Only according to the size of that cup. There's no limit in the waterfall's water, but it's your capacity which is limiting you. In human beings, you can increase your capacity, or you may reduce your capacity. Okay, it's up to you. But the source is with Allah. There is no limit there. The limit is only decided here. Okay? It's only here that the limit is decided. Inshallah, next week, we will uh, bring argument to prove the knowledge of God and the power of God. And then we will see how much time we have to talk about life and will of God. وَآخِرُ دَعْوَانَ أَنِ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ